caped crusaders and villainous dastardly doers all of you are welcome here in the midwest's number one most informative and geeky nerd cast midwestern nerds i am chad coffin and i'm brian stoffel and we're excited to have you guys back for another week remember we are at midwestern nerds on twitter and instagram you can find us at our website midwesternerds.com the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. That's M I D W E S T E R N E R D S. And remember, we are streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Brian, do you want to know what is the same as last week? That is the same as this week, but is unlike episodes one through five. No, tell me. We have another question from a listener. Oh. I don't need to dig up the whole thing because I took the cliff notes from it, but it is the same listener who had another question. So thank you, listener. Again, I didn't get the clearance on the name. Maybe he wants to be known as, like, the Riddler. Or because he asks questions all the time. Or maybe not. But we'll talk to him about it. We'll figure out if he wants a code name. So question comes to us in the form of spider-man homecoming and in the scene where peter is trying to do a little intel he's trying to do a little uh, investigating and he ends up webbing the character aaron davis played by donald glover or for you rap fans childish gambino webbed to the uh, trunk of his car he interrogates him blah blah, blah and he basically when when being interrogated he says, you know, I don't want that kind of stuff in my streets. Uh, I got a nephew, Miles, blah, blah, blah. So what we know from comics and from cartoons and from other movies that... Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse especially. Miles Morales is another Spidey. So he's another Spider-Man. And one thing that was put front and foremost is that Aaron Davis, Miles Morales's uncle, is the Prowler. So the question was, with this little... Uh, cameo easter egg hint is this telling us that miles morales spider-man is on his way to the mcu i don't think so just because of how young peter parker is in the mcu there's a lot of potential that they can have for future peter parker stories i feel like they're going more towards that route plus with sony owning most of the spider-man rights at this point if we were to see Miles Morales, I think it would be like a Sony-only movie. And if Donald Glover was in that movie as the Prowler, that would be like the only link between those two movies. I think they've had so much success with Tom Holland as Peter Parker. You're not just going to throw that out just to bring in a new Spider-Man. Like, no. That seems very Sony, but it does not seem very MCU. So, and again, would it be cool to have a couple web slingers on screen? Of course. Would it be cool to have the Prowler lurking around New York? Of course. But there's continuity issues with that, and they have to keep things in line. I think Brian said it best. I think this was just a fun cameo uh, for us in the Spider-Man movie. Yes, for those of you who know who Aaron Davis is, or now know who Aaron Davis is through the information that your Western nerds have provided you, 
it was a fun cameo or Easter egg, but I don't know if it was anything more than that. And especially with just the rights for Spider-Man to be in the MCU and the whole Sony being like, we don't want Spider-Man to be in the MCU movies anymore and all the work and Tom Holland crying to both Disney and Sony to be like, please let me be a part of the team again. <laughs> like, all of that to just get them to agree on one more Spider-Man movie in the MCU, I don't think we're going to get Miles Morales anytime soon. So, listener, I know that probably disappointed you, but I hope our take on it kind of enlightens you to what two Midwestern nerds think. Again, we are not the be-all, end-all. We do provide facts, but in questions like this, it's very open-ended. Who knows? It's very opinionated. It's very opinionated. We could come back and be... We could, If you want to kick this back to us, hopefully we're still doing the pod when the next Spider-Man movies comes out and you see our African-American web slinger flying across the screen, bring this back and shove it in our face because I would love that. Absolutely. I would love that almost as much as I love getting questions every week. So thank you again to, the, to this listener who now twice has brought us questions. Guys, if you have questions about what we talk about or about things that you read or see or watch or movies that you've seen before, you and your girlfriend are sitting on the couch watching a movie and you're like, who is that or why is that happening? Let us know. We got, or if she asks you. Or if she asks, <laughs> right. Sorry. There's plenty of ways to reach out to us. Again, Midwestern Nerds is the way to find us at Gmail, at Twitter, at Instagram, on Facebook. Reach out and find us. Flick up that Midwesterner bat signal and we will be here for you. When in doubt, if you don't know where to find us, you can always go to MidwesternNerds.com to find all of our social media and to reach out to us there as well. So this week we are going to kick off the show with a brand new segment. So if you all remember in episode two, we spent the entire episode on news. It was one of those weeks where just all the news kept coming and we couldn't decide which stories that we wanted to talk about, which ones we wanted to focus on, so we decided to do the whole thing. Well, going forward, if we have weeks like that, we are going to be introducing a new segment called Newsflash. We are going to take all of those stories and go through them in a flash. If you want us to dive into them a little bit more, we can always do that in future episodes. But this was one of those weeks where the news just kept coming. I mean, even last week after we got done recording our episode, if you noticed a weird chunk that was kind of in that episode, there was a whole news story that we were going to talk about that we got more news on literally the day after we recorded. This issue put my mediocre editing skills on the front line because not only did I have to try to work our transitions just from that story disappearing, you referenced that story three times in that episode. <laughs> so there's a couple parts where someone's like, there's a little like stuttering in one of the parts. I was like, that's not stuttering. That's trying me to cut out something that we never talked about. So, guys, like we said, the news, as soon as we get done recording, we record like on a Tuesday or Wednesday to allow us to edit, to get everything clean cut and ready for you guys on Friday. That means that news that comes up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday possibly, we have a week's worth of news that is already behind us and we're working ahead on to get it all compacted. So we don't want to be just a news show. We don't want to just be bringing you guys the, you know, the headlines to us and just talking about things that have happened in the week. While some stuff is exciting, we love our main topics too. And we found that 
with as much news as we were going through, we were really pinching our main topic. So Brian had an awesome idea to do this new segment, the Newsflash. We're going to test run this this week. We're going to try to make it as quick as we can, but also we're going to take a little bit of time just so we're not breezing all the way through. Without further ado, let's get started. The first topic up for the Newsflash is Ren and Stimpy are getting a reboot in the works at Comedy Central. This was an old 90s cartoon that you might have saw on Nickelodeon back in the day that was probably a little bit too old for you because of the the humor in it, but it's coming back with a reboot. And Marvel is surprising us with the cancellation of two ongoing series, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, and Strike Force. Surgeon Supreme, it was supposed to be an ongoing series, they cut that off at issue number six and surprised you with a letter at the end from the writers being like, all right, we're done, see ya. And Strike Force was supposed to end with issue 10 and that got cut down to nine. With Corona, we can expect this to happen further on with more stories. Spider-Man is the only platform-exclusive character in Marvel's Avengers video game. So, if you have a PlayStation, you are lucky enough to get the opportunity to play as Spider-Man. If you don't, well, then, sorry. I hope, and I know they already said this, that he's the only platform-exclusive character People say things a lot of times. I hope that to do it justice, they decide to make an Xbox exclusive character too. It Maybe it's another, uh, a different Spidey, maybe it's a different character, but I think we really level that out with doing a Spidey for, you know, uh, the PlayStation and then bringing another character on for Xbox. The creators of the Batman Arkham games, Rocksteady Studios, have announced that they are making a new Suicide Squad video game. No release date has been announced yet. John Wick 5 has been confirmed by Lionsgate and will be filmed back-to-back with John Wick 4. Hopefully, we'll get some better stories in 4 and 5 with this announcement of two more movies because if you were like me I was a little disappointed with the story in number 3 Zack Snyder releases the first blurry image of Steppenwolf for Justice League no this is not a new story from 2017 this is a 2020 news story about the Snyder cut of Justice League that will be dropping on HBO Max next year Jared Leto confirms involvement in a new Tron movie at Disney and more and more news has been coming out about this story but so far all that we know is Jared Leto's in it it's going to be called Tron Ares and they're aiming to put it on Disney Plus speaking of Disney Plus Disney Plus is remaking Three Men and a Baby with Zac Efron New York Comic Con this year is going digital so just like San Diego they're going to be doing all virtual panels online there will not be an in-person Comic Con at New York this year It's funny, we just talked about this yesterday, about how New York Comic Con was holding strong, we're not going to back out like other Comic Cons have. Bang! News comes 24 hours later from when we were talking about it. No more in-person Comic Con. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot is in development. I believe this will probably be for Peacock, since they own the rights since it was on NBC. Or it could be on HBO Max, since Fresh Prince is now streaming on HBO Max. Do not know the details on that, for sure. It's good news that our get, our, our listeners are getting this in the newsflash, because otherwise they'd have to listen to me rap the whole intro if it was regular news. And last but not least, Trump this week asked the governor of South Dakota if he could be added to Mount Rushmore. No, this is not a tabloid fake news story. This actually happened. This is like asking your friends to call you a cool nickname. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, 
Don't ask for it. And that was your newsflash for this week. Now, let's go into the real news for this week. Our first story is a very exciting story. This was probably the biggest news for me this past week. Christopher Eccleston, who played the ninth Doctor in Doctor Who, is returning to the role. He's going to be doing 12 full cast audio adventures with Big Finish, which will be contained into four box sets. These will be released starting in May 2021. Eccleston said, After 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor's world, bringing back to life a character I love playing. Big Finish's chairman, Jason Hay Ellery, said, I first talked to Christopher about returning to the role of the Doctor at a fan convention in February this year. Christopher said he was enjoying meeting the fans and was pleased that his doctor was remembered so fondly. I am so pleased that Christopher has decided to return to the role with us, and I am excited to welcome him to the Big Finish family as we discover the new adventures of the Ninth Doctor. Christopher Eccleston's Ninth Doctor restarted the Doctor Who franchise after it was off the air for like 10 years and he was only on for one season and he last appeared in 2005. So this will be the first set of new stories with Christopher Eccleston as the ninth doctor in the last 15 years. I'm really excited for this. Big Finish does a phenomenal job with the Doctor Who audio dramas. They did something similar with the eighth doctor who only appeared in the TV movie and that was his only like TV appearance other than this short film during the 50th anniversary. But he's got years and years of content from Big Finish doing audio dramas and it's just one of those ways that Doctor Who has continued throughout this 50 years is by having new content with new stories through audio dramas and if we were going to get them back any other way this would be the best way and I'm I'm really excited for it. It is coming back audiobook it's not going to be like the TV series not necessarily audiobook. It's kind of like if you took a story, like a show or a movie, and just had the audio of it, but they told it in a way where it made sense. Oh, so it's okay. not it's not like a, like an audiobook. It's it's an audio drama. When they say full cast, I'm assuming that they're gonna have like Billy Piper back as uh, Rose Tyler and John Barrowman back as Jack Harkness. The, so the two like, companions. And... So it's like when our like grandparents used to tune in on the radio and listen to their like their shows yeah. on the radio. But we talked obviously... last week about Green Hornet and how that was a radio show back in like the 30s. It's kind of similar to that. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm really excited for this. I hope that it hasn't been announced yet, but I hope that they will include him in the Time Lord Victorious overarching story that's going on right now with books and comics and these audio dramas. I think it would be kind of a shame not to have him in there since he's one of the three doctors in that story, but that's yet to be confirmed. Chad, you watched the first season with Christopher Eccleston. Uh, I think when you were saying it, you're like Christopher Eccleston, and it sounds like an old man name it's not right no he's head guy. he's the one he's, with the short hair the the big the leather tough, jacket yeah, he's the tough looking doctor yes right? yeah i do my best like this was a best stop before it was best stop for you you were like you gotta try and i'm like i've tried before man i've tried it uh but i dove back in and i really gave my all and it's i don't know if it's a british television or if it's 
just this brand of I just I can't nerd out again it's another thing it's like tomatoes for me I hate tomatoes but I try one every summer from my parents garden and still don't like it maybe five ten years from now I'll finally sit down and be like huh there's something to this it is a little bit difficult to get into and unfortunately that's Christopher Eccleston's only TV appearances in that first season that's when they were bringing the show back in like a different format and different way of storytelling they were kind of on like that verge of we're getting more technologically advanced but we're not quite there yet to do what we want to do and it was a lot of growing pains throughout that first season which unfortunately is why he decided to not continue on was because of those problems and it can be a little bit difficult to make its way through i know when i first got into doctor who I got into it with an ex, and I was only watching it so I knew what she was talking about when she Mm -hmm. talked about Mm -hmm. Doctor Who all the time. And I struggled through that first season as well. And it's unfortunate, but that's where this good news comes in is because we get a company that's doing Doctor Who stories that's been doing them since the 90s. So they know what they're doing. They're great storytellers and we're gonna get a new and additional spin with this doctor and new content that's our first story of the week our second story is going into the animated realm x-men the animated series that classic 90s cartoon that we all grew up and loved is trying to make a comeback on disney plus the creator and head showrunner of the series announced this week that they have been talking with disney plus to do a revival which would be either a special or a one-off episode or a five-parter they're kind of just open to whatever disney plus wants to do the original series ran for five seasons from 1992 to 1997 and consisted of 76 episodes the series producer and director larry houston said we've had talks but that's about it we've made conversation and it's up to them disney to make the decision but we've let them know that we're all available for whatever they want to do in the future If we had all the original team, that's what I would come out of retirement for. This would also continue off where the original series left off. The full five seasons of X-Men the Animated Series can be found in its entirety right now streaming on Disney+. It's awesome that this show is now on Disney+, Plus because now different generations can really enjoy and appreciate this show. Again, it's not your high-end animated cartoons that we get nowadays that kids get to watch but this was like the be-all end-all superhero content for the 90s like am i right other than like blade you know there's a handful of things that trickled in there but as a kid the 90s and when it came to like marvel and superheroes this is what you wanted obviously turtles is there there's other cartoons but when it comes to like the X-Men, if you're not reading comics, this is what you were doing. You were watching this series. Yeah, this was one of those shows that I watched every Saturday morning. Like, this was one of my top shows that I was excited to, like, wake up and watch. And most of my X-Men knowledge, you put aside the live-action movies, it comes from this show. This show introduced me to my favorite mutant, Gambit, and he played a big role in that series, so... It would be very fun to go back into that world and to see what other stories you could tell with that creative team. This was one of the highest streamed series too when Disney Plus first launched and I believe that it's still like up there as 
far as like one of their top streamers on, as it should be. on Disney Plus, <laughs> which yes, it makes sense, and this would be a no-brainer to do some kind of a revival spinoff, whatever it may be. Why not? Like, if the proof is in the pudding, if it's it, let's say if it was a top ten streamer when Disney Plus dropped, and it is held on to its top ten in the first year, why why not? Why not? And even if you if you even if you haven't captured the entire audience with new content with that higher quality animation that they're looking for nowadays, you're gonna get more viewers. You're gonna get more people pulled in. Plus, put aside all the high end animation that you have nowadays, it would make sense to bring it back to the two D animation that it came from, which costs little to nothing to make. And when you have the whole cast, the director and showrunner, and like pretty much everyone who worked on the show being like yeah i'd come back if like they'd bring this back like we said it's a no-brainer so this is something that keep an eye out for on disney plus to see if it happens if there's any breaking news about this actually coming to fruition you can be sure that you will be hearing about it right here first with your midwestern nerds now we are going to go into that little gap that we talked about in the last episode. This story we were going to talk about last week when there was only a little bit of information out and literally the day after we recorded the episode, they dropped all the information on this project. So this is a comic book project by the creative team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips who brought us some of the indie stories that are big and popular like criminal fatal incognito killer be killed the fade out and pulp ed brubaker is the one who created the winter soldier and brought bucky's dark past to the marvel comics through the captain america run he also did uh, Secret Avengers, Daredevil, and of course Chad's favorite, the Immortal Iron Fist. If you were to follow any creative team in comics, this would be the team. And they've announced last week that they are going to be releasing a series of three graphic novels that will be released all across next year, starting with December's Reckless. Reckless is set in 1980s Los Angeles and centers on a private eye called Ethan Reckless, who will take care of problems for a price. But his latest case hits too close to home when a familiar face from his own days as a student radical comes calling for help. When talking about this series, Brubaker said, Reckless comes from my love of pulp heroes and private eyes. When I'm craving escapism, I pick up a Jack Reacher book, or a Lou Archer, or a Claire DeWitt, or a Travis McGee, or an Easy Rawlings, or a Parker. I get taken away by these characters and their worlds. I wanted to bring that feeling over to comics with a series of graphic novels that each tell a complete story, a thriller, or a mystery. And also, for as long as Sean and I have been working together, we've almost never focused on a hero. So Reckless is a big left turn for us, but it's still our version of a hero, or sometimes more of an anti-hero, probably. Reckless is going to be a 144-page graphic novel that will be released by Image Comics on December 16th, and Volume 2 is targeted for an April 2021 release, with no release date yet confirmed for the third arc of this. In an article I read last week, they also talked about how they have a plan for six books in total for this series. So these are just the first three that are going to be announced that are going to be released next year with the other three probably 
aiming for a release of 2022, I would guess. I'm really excited for this. Like I said, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, they're kind of like the go-to guys as far as comics go. Like, if you put aside Marvel, you put aside DC, I would direct any readers to comics, new or old, to Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And this is a story that we're going to continue on into the main topic after our next news story. But the whole format of releasing a series as like a graphic novel series instead of just like a month-to-month issue-to-issue comic series I think is really fascinating. And they talked about in this article how like it really hasn't been done yet in comics, but I feel like this is going to be the route that the comic industry is going to turn towards in the future. I would elaborate on that more now, but I think that'll be a, a great thing to dig into in the main topic. But like you said, too, one thing that's super exciting, not only just who's doing it, but how they're doing it. Like, you know, if you get a guy who does like one brand new graphic novel like an OGN in a year, that's awesome. The fact that these guys are putting out three in a year is unheard of. Besides the fact that they're doing it this way, just the fact alone that they're releasing three original graphic novels is crazy to do in one year. I mean, it makes sense now with COVID going on because, you know, you can't really go anywhere. You can't really do anything. So, like, why not use that time that you have to just crank out as much as you can, which I feel like is what a lot of, like, comics are doing right now. But the fact that they're like, nope, we're going to be releasing these in graphic novel format, so you're going to get a whole story it's probably going to be like around six issues long all together in one book you're going to get one concise story and we're going to release three of them in a year is insane to think about Mm -hmm. but again it it would make sense for the comic book industry maybe not that much but like to kind of take that route going forward and with that we're going to jump into our last news story of the week I feel like whenever we're talking about comics, it's either small stories or it's big stories surrounding DC. I mean, we had in our first episode, we talked about the shambles that coronavirus has put on the comic book industry and how DC kind of threw their wrench into the mix of that. Well, this week we got another big DC story, and this revolves layoffs in both DC Comics and Warner Brothers, which are all tied together. So instead of throwing a wrench in somebody else's organization and somebody else's system, they're throwing wrenches into their own now? They're throwing wrenches into their own, but I feel like these wrenches aren't just going to affect DC and DC Comics, but it's going to ripple throughout the whole comic industry. It was announced on Tuesday that editor-in-chief Bob Harris and several other editors were among employees that were laid off in D.C. And Jim Lee, who is the chief creative officer, and he was kind of like the face of D.C. Like, if you had to think of any higher-up or executive that was, like, making most of the big decisions at D.C. and was kind of, like, running the ship... Jim Lee was the guy that you thought of, and he has been removed from his publishing role. Editors Mark Doyle, Brian Cunningham, Andy Corey, 
VP of Marketing, Jonah Wieland, Senior VP, Hank Canals, and VP of Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, Bobby Chase, all got fired yesterday. Jim Lee is still with the company as DC's chief creative officer, but he no longer holds his publisher title. His new role will be to act as a liaison between DC and other brands of Warner Media. So he's still going to be kind of that main head guy, like the negotiator guy, but he doesn't have the publisher title anymore and he's probably not getting paid as much as he was before. Warner Brothers uh, is in talks to bringing in a new general manager to help run DC from the world of esports to lead the division, but no final talks have happened yet. Part of a wider restructuring at the parent company of Warner Brothers caused by the entertainment company experiencing huge dips in profits due to COVID-19 pandemic and Warner Brothers has allegedly laid off approximately 600 employees so far. A lot of big news, a lot of people getting laid off both in the comic side and in like the Warner side. So DC is owned by AT&T. AT&T also I think is either owned by or owns Warner Media which is why all of the DC content you get with the Warner Brothers logo. You know, when you were watching The Dark Knight on the big screen, you saw the Warner Brothers, like, that was the company that made it. They're laying off a bunch of people as well. It sucks that all of this is due to coronavirus, and a big part of this is just kind of been revolving around the talks, too, about how AT&T and Warner are viewing DC more for their IP as opposed to like their content and their storytelling and their creativity, which is why there's been a lot of changes that either haven't happened or have been happening very poorly um, across DC, even before Corona. And I feel like this was kind of like their excuse to lay people off because, you know, now before they weren't making money, because of these decisions but now they're really not making money because of corona and the fact that they really can't put out new stuff i think this is gonna affect the overall comic book industry as well just because of them being one of the big two whatever changes and uh shifts that are happening on that side is probably going to be reflected on the rest of the industry as well because when you get a big company like DC, I mean, you can't have one half of the industry doing one thing and the other half doing the other thing before either they both fail or one turns towards the other. Absolutely, because we don't deal in a world of absolutes where exact things are going to happen no matter what, but industries ebb and flow together unless there is a huge disparage in sales like the fact that marvel is incredibly higher incredibly wealthier like unfortunately even if one is more successful than the other at a certain time they still belong to the same industry they're either movie producing movies or producing comics or producing tv shows yes one can do better than one, you know the other at a certain time but because these industries exist cohesively 
If comic books are doing well, it's good for DC and Marvel. If comic books are doing poorly, it's bad for DC and Marvel. So there's no way that they can lay off 600 people and then in excess to that, big name guys like Bob Harris, Jim Lee. I mean, for, for goodness sake, Warner Brothers laid off their CFO. Like there is a lot of rebranding, a restructuring is going on here. And they're going to bring in, obviously, they can't just get rid of all these roles. They have to move things around, bring in different pieces. But this is the second head of DC that's been canned in the last year. Because Dan Didio was also fired this year, and he was another one that was shepherding a lot of big ideas and movements and changes into DC. And then when he got canned, like it all kind of just fell flat. We'll have to see what happens. You know, again, in a world where com- in comics that has always been struggling, you know, we're, you know, movies are always there, TV is always there, people are always going to take in sports, comics really ebb and flow, the big boom in the golden age, and then it falls off, and the silver age comes in, we've kind of ebb and flow, and like we said before in other episodes, because of the MCU, and because of the popularity of the movies and things like that, it's it, it comes back around, but again, you don't really have the same amount of time to see if these plans are going to flesh themselves out. Yeah, it'd be great to bring a guy in. Like, let's say, you know, Bob Harris comes in and it's like, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to try this and this is our plan. And it's going to take us about 18 months. And they're like, you have six. Not all these things can get fleshed out in that amount of time. So unfortunately, if they don't have a plan to reinvent the wheel, which apparently is what DC's looking for, if you can't make the ship sail upright now, that's not what they want. They're not looking to win the Super Bowl in 10 years. They're winning it this year. And they're going to continue to kick people in and out to get it figured out. One of the sentences that kind of like flew under the radar in this article that we got this information from, but is a bigger deal than what they made, just based off of like talk in the industry and like the different groups that I follow online and on Facebook and whatnot. One of the things that they said is that like the main thing that DC has been doing right as far as revenue over the past year has been their collected editions and their books and graphic novels that they've been releasing in like walmart and target and they've been having like their kids line and they're bringing it more accessibly to a general audience as opposed to a niche audience like comic collectors like ourselves which tying in with the brubaker story of like the graphic novels instead of a comic book series brings us into our main topic so with brubaker and phillips bringing in this series of graphic novels to tell a story and with dc being very successful in their collected editions as far as bringing it to a public audience to you know gain profits and whatnot The question that we're bringing for the main topic this week is would it make sense for the comic industry as a whole to get rid of like the single issue month to month one issue at a time format and go into just releasing comics and stories in collected editions graphic novels into those kinds of formats going forward. So we looked at this in a couple different ways. It's hard for us as collectors to look at this objectively because the first thing you think about is now we can't collect single issues. Certain issues are worth more money than others. Certain issues are more important to you than others. So when they slam them all into a big book together, it seems to make things less important. But 
thinking objectively and thinking of how the world works right now. And if you guys tuned into our pilot episode on our friend Kyle's podcast, First Round KO, we talked a little bit about binge culture, about how the the Netflixes of the world have really taken the world by storm or the entertainment world by storm because they're like, here's 12 episodes of a show, watch it in one night and wait two years for the next show. And everyone's like, yes! And then by the end of it, you're really disappointed that you did it so fast and now it's gone. So we tried to look at this from so many different angles, what the benefits and what the, the pros and the cons are. And Brian, I want to I want to pick your brain. I want to hear what you had to say first about this idea. Honestly, I think it makes sense to go to that format for the majority of things. Not for all of it, but for the majority of it. Me, personally, as a collector, I've been moving more towards those bigger collected editions, the omnibuses that collect, you know, 40 issues of a story together or a complete run of a story together. I've been aiming my collecting more towards those than I have with single issues. I still get single issues, but I get those as well. Pros of that is you get everything together all in one go. For new people to comic books, it's not as confusing. If you have like, hey, this is a 12-issue Batman book. It's a self-contained story. This is all you need to know. Or if it is like a series of books, you're like, here's book one. This is like the first part of it, which would be Netflix's season one, book two, season two, and so on and so forth. It makes it a little bit easier for more than just that niche audience to get into these kinds of books if you can present it all together in one big bow. Also, going into these more like collected versions of things that I've been doing, you come to realize that there's still value in those you can get a smaller paperback graphic novel that has five issues in it for like ten dollars but if you get those like 40 50 issue big tomb omnibuses that are hard cover oversized those are a little bit more pricey and because of that not all these books are going to remain in print at the same time so you could have a really popular book go out of print for a while and that book is going to increase in value it's going to skyrocket so you're still going to get that value with those kinds of books i feel like the smart thing going forward would be to take some of those smaller characters like for marvel some of the series that i've been reading that i'll probably start collecting this way going forward like hawkeye ant-man vision you know, some of those smaller characters that have an audience but not a big audience, that's how you release that content. That's how you release those stories. You release them only in, like, collected editions and digitally. Properties like Avengers, Spider-Man, like, those those high-grossing franchises and characters, I feel like those would still benefit to do the single-issue format. So you could do both, but start to lean more towards that collected edition. And you could still do stuff like like DC did with, with Detective Comics 1000, the 1,000th issue of Batman. They released it as a single issue, and then a few months later they released it as an oversized hardcover. So you could still do single issues that way, 
there's lots of different options. There's lots of different ways to go about it. But I think with the culture that we're in right now, with the world that we're in right now with COVID and going forward, the ramifications of this virus and how it's going to impact the world even after it's done, like the aftermath of it, I feel like going forward with collected editions as opposed to single issues would be a more logical approach. The first thing I think about when I think uh, about comics versus collected issues is, or or you weekly or monthly comics, is just the simplicity of it. It's just so much easier. You know how much of a pain it can be First of all, neither of us live in the same town that our our comic book store is. Not the one we own, but our, you know how you say our team. Yep. You know, our our hometown comic book store is in Oshkosh. It's, I mean, it's damn near a 40-minute drive for me to get there and then another 40, 45 to get back. You know, I'm putting an hour and a half in, driving a half an hour in. I'm supposed to pick two hours and a day in the middle of the week after I already worked 10 hours to get down there, you know, and pick up my books each week. Then after I get home, finally find time to read them. I gotta bag and board all these books to make sure they're staying safe. After a run is done, or in this new, in this new formula, when a run first comes out, I go to the store one time, pick it up, go home. It's already safe. It's a bound trade paperback or compendium or whatever it is, soft cover, hard cover. It's obviously safer than just the flimsy paper comics. I read it. I put it on my bookshelf. I'm done. You know, so there is some simplicity with it. In addition to that, you know, with binge culture, a lot of people want it all right now. They don't want to wait. The contradictory note I'll make to this is while I am one of those and was one of those people who really loves to just take it in as fast as I want, I can have it slowly, I can have it fast, I can have it hard, wet, sour, sweet. Getting on a tangent there, sorry. (laughs) There is something that's rewarding and exciting about that week-to-week content. So the same thing that I think the first thing that reintroduced this to me was The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, I was so excited for, and I was like, I'm going to get it all at once. I'm going to have this, basically, this eight-hour Star Wars movie I can watch all in two days. And they're like, nope, you're going to get it one week at a time. And originally, it really frustrated me. But after a while, that Sunday evening was so exciting to go and sit down and watch that show. Me and my boy could sit down and watch it. We're, you know, we're loving Star Wars together. And not only that, it was amazing content. So maybe it goes hand in hand that way. So again, there's a part of it that I'll play devil's advocate that that's how those monthly comics could be. There's something about going to the comic book store saying, I always forget, box 98, 89, 75, whatever the hell our box number is. The clerk going back, getting our books, coming out with them, and it's like, oh, man, the different covers, like, the different, you know, and you're getting those, you get your hands on them. It's exciting to get them, but again, where is the win versus loss come? Like you said, is it is it money? Is it simplicity for the collectors, for the new readers? I know, for me, and you put it perfectly, it's so complicated to figure out where you're going to jump in. Because I didn't start reading monthly publications again until we moved in together until we were frequenting the comic book store together each week or every other week i had no idea where to start i picked like two or three comics that i knew really well to jump in on and caught, bought a couple packages of power rangers uh, there was i was lucky there was an iron fish and there was a uh, iron fist and or a power man comic that had come out but then i just randomly grabbed a couple of their titles and put them on the list luckily 
I found two I really liked. Unfortunately, one I really hated, from the writing to the artwork and everything. But again, it was really complicated. And, and for somebody who doesn't have their weekly publication Sherpa, like I did with you, <laughs> they walk into that, and the comic book store can be, while exciting, very overwhelming. You bring up the good point about that series that, you know, you gave a shot for, you know, two or three issues and you just didn't like, like the writing, the art, nothing about it was really clicking with you. And that would be one of the downfalls of going to a collected edition only is that, you know, you could be stuck with like a $50 book that you just hate because two you, issues in. Yeah, because you bought it because of the face on the front. I love Luke Cage. Luke Cage is a great book. Of the things I've read, Power Man and Iron Fist, Heroes for Hire, Luke Cage solo books, the Luke Cage on Netflix. And I was like, oh, a new Luke Cage book is coming out? This is amazing. And like you said, if I would have picked up that finished edition at $40 and brought it home, I would have read the exact same amount and been like, this is not good. I do not like this. But now what? And then you either let it sit on your shelf and never finish it again. You sell it right away if you're lucky enough to sell it. Or you stomach through because you just spent $40 on it. No way in hell am I going to like not finish yeah. reading it. You just two issues shove in. it into your eye holes or gull it like grandma's nine day old meatloaf. Like it's not good. I don't like it, but I'm not wasting it. It's like a beer you left out from the night before. Nobody wants to drink a stale beer, but it still gets the job done. And I paid for it. Another con that we haven't really talked about yet is the fact that if, you went to collected edition only format your local comic book stores are all gonna die they're all gonna go under because you don't have that weekly content that's keeping people in the doors that is keeping revenue in your business you're no longer gonna have that if you're releasing you know collected editions because if you're releasing just collected editions you're probably gonna release i don't know five to ten books a month if that and if it was five to ten books a month that's like maybe one or two a week two or three at most you know you're not gonna have all of them in one week and if you did that's three more weeks that you don't have new content coming out exactly and when we when you and i were making trips to the comic book store i think at one point we had like 16 titles in our box we had to be there every week for either you or either i and every time you're in there Guys, you don't just walk to the counter and grab your books and walk out. You just don't. It's like going to the grocery store for a gallon of milk. You're never just leaving with a gallon of milk. Oh, candy bars? Oh, we need toilet paper. It's the same thing. Oh, they got they, they got bought in a new batch of Funko Pops. Better look at those. Oh, man, on the half-off bookshelf over here. Um, what did I pick up the other week? A Kiss Compendium? Hello? Or an Omnibus, rather? I would have never thought to be looking for a Kiss Omnibus, but there it was because I made a trip to the comic book store so those trips for a couple books here and there turn into you know fifteen dollars in comics and sixty bucks and everything else that's what keeps your mom and pop shops going you move to those compendiums those trade paperbacks only and these graphic novels coming out as a shot if i'm only going i already only go to the comic book store once a month now i'm gonna cut back i'm only going once every three months they're just losing all that money because i'm not gonna just just because it's less trips i'm not spending more money and if you're going week to week you know, at at some point you get to meet more of the customers that are there that are along with you. You get to meet the owners and the workers there at the shop. And before you know it, you have this whole little community. Well, if you take away the shop and the new content, you're taking away that community as well. I mean, even if you're limiting your amount of releases, that's still limiting your customers. You know, there could be 
two books out one week that I don't really care for, so I'm not going to go and pick them up. That's one less week that I'm going to see those customers and vice versa. I could be going a week where, you know, some of my other friends or workers that I enjoy talking to aren't going to be there. So it's just taking away that community as well. I don't think we came to any conclusion on this. I don't think <laughs> it's, we, it's no. A, it's more information and more of our thought processes as a whole. Um, I know hopefully we have some comic book readers out there. I know I, there are some people who listen, I know, who do more omnibus, who do more um, graphic novel collecting, who take those full trade paperbacks, whether it's a guy who reads Halo, uh, who's in the comic book store, you know, once every couple months, if it's somebody out there who's reading the Batman runs and the Superman runs that they need to be in there every week picking them up. We want to know what you guys think, because obviously we've sat here and talked around in circles about the pros and cons, but we haven't made a single decision finitely that is a yes or a no, and we're not part of these companies, so we don't have to. No, I don't think that account like a decision is going to be made anytime soon, but with all of the moves going on at DC, and if this Brubaker run is successful and more creators and more companies start to look at that and look at the numbers and think oh maybe we should start going to that format it's only a matter of time before i feel like this question is going to come up especially with the binge culture that we're living in that we talked about so yeah i don't think there's going to be any concrete decision made anytime soon this was more or less just a conversation starter that we wanted to have something to get the gears turning and like Chad said, we want to know what you all think about this topic. Please reach out to us on MidwesternNerds.com, on our social media. We want to know what you all think about this going forward. If you would be pro collected editions going forward, or if you just liked it the way that it is, let us know. So we've come to the end of Brian and I's favorite part of the show. And yes, for all of you Chad's, Brad's, Kyle's, and Keith's who have been hanging around through the nerdy stuff... You will be rewarded because it is time for this week's Chattelac Checkdown. First topic we're going to get into is the Bucks because we are fearing the deer because after our win against Miami, uh, 116 to 130, the Bucks have secured the number one seed in the East headed into the bubble playoff. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. That's our. That's we have uh, listeners in in studio today. Uh, they're pretty excited to be here. What do you guys think about uh, the Bucks? They're pretty excited. Um, again, big win last Thursday. Bucks over the Miami Heat, one sixteen to one thirty. With that being secured, there, there's not as much on the line after that big scoring game on Saturday. Had the chance to sit down and watch that one against the Mavericks. It ended up one thirty-two to one thirty-six. The Bucks could not pull it off. But I just want to point out big minute games from uh, Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Eric Bledsoe. Middleton was in for 36 minutes. He had a double-double, 21, 11, and 6. Giannis had a double-double, 34, 1, and 13. And Brooke Lopez even came in with 34 and 7. So between 34, 34, making 68, plus 21, so making 89 and the other guys couldn't have put it together to win the game. A little bit disappointing. It was an awesome game. When you get big stars on the floor, if you get guys like Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Christoph Porzingis, and uh, Luka, Luka Doncic, these guys on the floor, it's an exciting game to watch. You know, Giannis, those, if you're looking at this game, 
I think Giannis and Luke are really the guys who are the future of the league. Yes, there's other good players out there with Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, but right now these guys continue to prove themselves. They continue to be talented players. They continue to be fun to watch. And especially if like a guy like Giannis, he's established. He's a, getting to be a household name, even if you can't pronounce it. But even if we put all that aside... It's awesome to see the Bucks headed in the playoffs with the number one seed. Oh, absolutely. Like, not only are we getting sports back and we're getting the NBA back, but us being in Wisconsin, our Bucks, our deer, are the number one going into the playoffs. There's nothing any more exciting than that. So the game from yesterday, a little bit different news. Uh, Bucks lost by 12 to the Raptors. Take it or leave it. Middleton and Brooke Lopez led the team with 25 minutes. Pat Connington with 21. Bledsoe with 30 minutes. Sorry. Oh, gosh, I apologize. Middleton and Brooke Lopez didn't even leave the team with minutes. Bledsoe had 30. DiVincenzo had 28. Pat Connington had 21. A lot of names on here. The one name you're not going to hear is Giannis. Giannis was out with oral surgery. He had to repair a tooth. If I'm going to be totally honest, I think they're using this as a farce to get out of, get him out of the last couple games. He doesn't need to play. He needs to be 100% ready to go for this playoff run. That is going to be hard. It's going to be brutal. Everybody's been resting up for these extra months that you usually never see. And in my mind, it's going to hit the apex of seeing full-on playoff LeBron prime mode in the finals. It's going to be a hard-pressed run. You know, it might, from what we've seen before, again, I'm not sure if the Bucks are clicking 100% yet. Or if they're all the way there, but I think once it's time for the playoffs, I think Coach Bud, co-coach of the year for 2020, uh, will really get the guys rolling. In other Bucks news, not really news, it is news, but no information behind it. Disney announced today that they began casting for the Giannis Attentacumpo movie. That is all we know. That is exactly the long and the short of everything we know. I don't think it's going to be an animated series. I think it's going to be a movie about his life. Giannis has a really cool story to tell, and the fact that Disney is latching onto it, I think we're going to have a really awesome movie for one Midwestern nerd. I don't know if he's a nerd. I don't know. We'll see. He likes other cool things than just basketball. But it's awesome to see something that we can get excited about and see, uh, God, I want to say hometown hero, but he's not. But a guy who's really cemented himself in the Wisconsin area, in, in the Milwaukee community, a guy who really wants to be here and have proven that he's a part of our Midwest culture. He really likes it here. He loves the people. He loves the fans. And being able to see him on the big screen in the near future is, is awesome. In a perfect world, I would like if this was, like, the first movie in, like, a series of movies like, if the first one just focused on, like, where he started, where he grew up, to his journey to the Bucks, if that was the first movie, I would be absolutely fine. And then if it continued after that appropriately with, like, how, you know, his life and his career and whatnot go, because the fact of the matter is we're still, like, in the middle of his story. So as excited as I am that they're making a movie, I almost feel like it's too soon if they do the whole origin, and then up till now. Absolutely. The guy hasn't even won a championship yet. And I say yet because it's absolutely going to happen, whether it's with the Bucks or, and I cringe to even say this, another team. This guy's going to win a championship. He absolutely will. He is that talented. He is the future of basketball in my mind. You're right. I didn't even think about that. There is so much story left to write. You're going to really snub nose it if you write it and produce it and film it and send it out to the masses this early. With it being Disney as the studio that's that's making this movie, 
it gives me a little bit more hope that it would maybe go with, you know, the start to him joining the Bucks and, like, getting on the team because Disney likes to tug on the heartstrings and what better heartstring tugger and inspirational movie than, you know, to see the rise up to the big leagues as, like, the first installment in the Giannis movies. I couldn't agree more. In other sports news, we head back to NCAA football, which again, like we talk about, news changes overnight, and we are not a daily podcast. I don't have the time or patience to do that. We are a weekly podcast. As of yesterday, the news that I was going to bring you in regards to NCAA football and COVID went as follows. The Big Five divisions continue to weigh the cancellation of the season. The Big Five, if you don't know, are the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Atlantic Coast, and Southeastern. The Big Ten had a 12-to-1 vote to cancel the season earlier this week or did they the news came out really hard and was like yep this happened this vote happened and it's going to happen and then something else happened so players big name players following behind trevor lawrence justin fields Najee harris they're the face of this movement of the hashtag we want to play hashtag we are united a lot of college players and even some new to the the nfl players are really getting behind this movement some players like trevor lawrence it doesn't matter for him if he plays or doesn't play this year i can tell you right now whether he plays or doesn't play he will get a huge nike contract and he'll be the number one overall draft pick barring any unforeseen injuries you know whether it may be if there's a single player in the ncaa sports world right now that benefits more from the season being canceled i don't know who would be than trevor lawrence the second the season gets canceled He walks over to Nike, signs a contract, and then sits in the weight room and on the treadmill until until the draft. He gets drafted number one overall, and he has his NFL career. But some of these other guys are not in the same situation. Joe Burrow, who was the number one draft pick last year to the Bengals, said, if it wouldn't have been for my last season in college football, I would have been looking for a job. He did not have the notoriety or the, the household name that Trevor Lawrence does. So some of these guys who are out there who are battling for their lives trying to make an NFL career, this could really, really hurt them in the long run. We see this all the time with players who spend three, four years in college sports, and we don't really see them blossom until their second to last or last year, and then they finally get improved draft stock, and we see them play in the NFL and really pan out. Yeah, this is a topic that we talked about for a few episodes now, the fact that, you know, the pros and cons of starting college sports as to not starting college sports, it is a big deal to some of these athletes because this is like their one shot, you know. Typically, you only have four years in a college sports career to prove your worth. So that's, you take away one of those years, now you're limited down to three. Like you said, some of these guys or girls, depending on the sport, you know, they're still working out the kinks from high school and getting into more of a professional playing, and they're really not shining until, like, that last season or the last two seasons. So, again, if if you're a senior this year and you hear that there's potentially not going to be a season and there's not going to be a sports, well, then there goes your shot. So it, it makes complete sense that some of these athletes are fighting – like teeth and nail to try to get the play and we have to look at it from both sides that's why we give you guys this information but again number one overall is safety safety for students safety for players safety for coaches safety for their families COVID-19 has changed the landscape of the world and the sports are not something that is immune to this 
So, like I said, that was the news I sent to Brian yesterday. I updated the Google Doc last night before I went to bed, and today, everything changed. Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 officially voted to cancel all sports until 2021. They are hoping for spring seasons for football, for basketball, and things like that, but two of the, big, two of the top five conferences have officially canceled football and any, every other kind of sport until 2021. These conferences put their heads together, the presidents, the athletic directors, and they decided that because they can't make it safe enough and they can't make it, you know, the pros are not outweighing the cons as much as the athletes want it back, as much as the coaches want it back, and as much as the fans want it back. They decided that it cannot be safe enough. They can't go ahead with this season. I mean, like we've seen with some sports, you know, like basketball, like hockey, there's, there is an answer to play the game safely. But the fact is that, like, they're just making these decisions now. Like, there's not enough time anymore to figure out those things, to make those decisions, to come up with the best game plan to do these sports safely. So when you look at the huge scope, of like of of the NCAA football like the amount of teams the amount of players it's insane compared to the like even the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and where the NBA and the NHL have made it work we see have been seeing week after week the MLB has been failing at making this happen so I think we're gonna this is what they were looking at they're like man we can kind of take a toll from these professional sports if we expect even you know these 53-man rosters or whatever it may be, and then the coaching staffs and things like that are moving from city to city, even within conference they were talking 10 to 11 games. They just deemed it unsafe. Uh, with that being said, ACC and SEC say plans are unchanged. Again, we've just talked about this. As of yesterday, everything was still on. As of today, you've lost two of the biggest conferences in college football and college sports. We might be coming to you guys next week talking about something completely different. Who knows? The Big Ten and Big 12 might be back in it. The SEC and ACC might be out. These things change every day, same as everything with COVID. The best that we can do is give you some feedback and our opinions on the things that happen, when they happen, when we can. Like most things in Corona world, this is going to be an ongoing story. There's going to be lots of different changes, things may be concrete one day like you said and may be different the next but the best that we can do is bring you the information that we have when we record these episodes and discuss along the same lines as covid it looks like these college organizations are taking big steps to really confirm the safety and really control the spread of the virus in the mlb again we've talked about how the troubles have stemmed from the marlins to the cardinals and now a team that in my mind is trying to show us that we're we're doing something about it we're trying to make a change to make it safer the cleveland indians in the last few days have had to send two different pitchers home for a 72-hour period for breaking team rules and leaving the hotel in chicago team rule finish the game go back to the hotel that's it starting pitcher from saturday or sunday's game probably sunday's game started the game Went back to the hotel, decided he needed to go out to the bar or wherever it might have been. Found out, they sent him home on a three-day you know, three day break. Same thing just happened yesterday, or rather today, from him leaving the hotel yesterday, got sent home. While it says, yeah, good job, Cleveland Indians. Show these guys you're not messing around. You're going to send them home for these three-day breaks. Folks, if you aren't on the up-and-up with how baseball works, starting pitchers 
do not pitch again in a three-day cycle. They do not pitch again in a three-game cycle. There's a chance that these guys who pitched, let's say, on Sunday and Tuesday won't pitch again until Sunday and Tuesday of the following week. Having them go home for three days not only has nothing clearly to do with medical protocol because the the standing period for being out from COVID is 14 days for clearance, so the three days has nothing to do with that. And while they're trying to make a point and saying, well, we sent them home for these three days to punish them, you're punishing no one because they wouldn't have played and they're not going to affect the outcome of games for you because they weren't going to pitch anyways. Chances are they're only increasing their chances of getting corona because they're being exposed to even more people you know you're leaving that that bubble that you're in in one city to send them back home to their other friends and family because you know damn well they're not gonna sit at home for those three days they're gonna be out and about and then bringing them back to the team after they've been exposed to all those people if you're gonna do something do it don't half-ass it whole ass you know yeah instead of you know suspending them for three days why not three weeks like you said like the the protocol is 14 days but if you really want to punish them add another week to that so that they know like hey you're not playing for three weeks we don't really have to pay you for those three weeks either you know well yeah and for sure but again like i said in my mind, this is the Cleveland Indians waving this flag saying, hey, look at us. We're trying our best. We're, we, we're, we're, we're trying to help fight the virus. No, you're not. You're not even slightly attempting it at all because you're doing nothing that either hinders you. If it's something that I saw hindered the team by making that decision, then I could see, wow, you do really care. It doesn't matter to them. And, it's, and again, it's not based in any theory or any fact. They're just saying three days, go home. Yeah, it's not always a good thing to bring attention to yourselves, and this thing that they're doing is an example of that. And if we haven't proven enough that we are detectives that will bring things to light when it was Unsolved Mysteries from Netflix that we put on the best stuff, look at us now, Cleveland Indians. You're getting put on blast on the Midwesterners. We have over 125 followers on Instagram, and you better believe they'll hear about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> and that, folks, we hate to end it on a somber note, is this week's Shadowlack Checkdown. But let's bring up the mood a little bit once again with the best stuff recommendations of the week. Stuff, stuff, stuff. <laughs> God, I, I, hope, didn't, I didn't know where I was going to put the echo in. I hope we don't make that into a soundbite no. every week. I have two things to bring to the table this week. Chad's got one, I know for sure. I'll start with one of them, directing from one of our news topics, in particular the one about the Doctor Who story. I realize that there's probably not a lot of Doctor Who fans on this show. I'm a big Doctor Who fan. I'm sitting here in front of Chad with a Doctor Who shirt on. I talk about it. This is like the third week in a row I think I've talked about Doctor Who. It's one of my favorite things in the world, and... One of the things that I wanted to do this week with my recommendations is, you know, recommend some places to start with Doctor Who. I would suggest the whole first season to start, the ninth season. I know it's a little bit hard to get into, so I took a couple episodes that I'm going to bring to the table as far as recommendations from that first season. Give these episodes a shot. If you like them, maybe give the rest of the season a chance. If you don't, 
Fear not, because in a future best staff recommendation, in a future episode, I will bring to the table some episodes that I feel like are good episodes to kind of jump into that are kind of standalone where you can get a sense of what the show is as a whole with different doctors. But for this week, since the big news came out about the Ninth Doctor, let's talk about some Ninth Doctor episodes to start with. The first episode would be a good one to start with, but that's not on my list. It's a good introduction to the show. It's not my favorite in the season. I'm bringing two stories that I feel like are worth looking into. The first one being titled Dalek, which is about the Doctor's most infamous villains, the Daleks. This was the introduction into the new series. And this episode is about billionaire collector Henry Van Staten, who holds the last relic of an alien race. When the Doctor and his companion Rose investigate, they discover the Doctor's oldest and most deadly enemy is about to break free. This episode does an interesting thing where it makes you feel some sympathy for the villain for a while until you realize their real intents and how capable of evil they are this does a great job of showing the kind of doctor that uh christopher eccleson plays he's kind of like a tough hard like no nonsense business doctor for the most part you know if he smells shit he's gonna call you out on it and when he sees this dalek in this collection he's like uh you need to get rid of this now or i'm going to get rid of it it's, it's a great episode. Like I said, it's, it's the first introduction in the new series of the Doctor's most infamous villains. It builds both on the Doctor's character, the enemy, and also his companion Rose, who plays an important part through multiple seasons. The second story I'm going to talk about is a two-parter, which is The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. So the first episode, The Empty Child, has the Rose and Doctor find themselves in London 1941 at the height of the London Blitz. A mysterious cylinder is being guarded by the army, while homeless children living in bomb sites are being terrorized by an unearthly child. When Rose meets the dashing Captain Jack Harkness, she wonders if she has found a hero better than the Doctor himself. This story introduces some of the creepy elements that Doctor Who has with this little alien child that looks like a little human boy with a gas mask on who goes around asking people, are you my mommy? And he ends up turning them into gas mask-like creatures like himself. This also introduces uh, Captain Jack Harkness, who is a big character in the first half of the new revived Doctor Who series and it's just good writing it's good storytelling it tells a great story the second episode of this two-part story titled The Doctor Dances sees the child's plague spreading throughout wartime London and its zombie army is on the march the Doctor and Rose form an alliance with the intergalactic con man Captain Jack but find themselves trapped in the abandoned hospital the answer lies at the bomb site, but time is running out. This story shows an overall victory for the Doctor. A lot of his stories, you know, has a resolution, but not always the cleanest, like, happiest resolution. This is, like, the one time where, you know, he's able to save everyone. Again, it's it's just great storytelling all around, and these are the two Ninth Doctor 
stories that I would suggest looking into if you are going to get into Ninth Doctor or just New Doctor Who in general. I remember this episode. I do. Like I said before, I did my best to truck through it, but this is an episode because as soon as I'm like, man, I don't recognize that title. And then you're like, War Torn London. I was like, it's that creep with the mask. Yeah, very, very, very weird. Very eerie. And like you said, there are parts of the the Doctor Who uh, world that are very like sci-fi and very much like the Daleks and, and aliens and things like that. But then there's this other side of it that is like, very creepy, very mysterious, very eerie that, you know... Almost like horror vibes. Yeah, like horror thriller vibes, for sure. So I have one... Uh, I was going to have two recommendations this week. One a real one and one not a real one, but I forgot to figure out what the brand name of my other recommendation was, so it has to be next week. But the uh, one recommendation I will make this week is the Amazon video, the Amazon Prime Video original series, The Boys. You finally got around. <laughs> I, I did. I finally worked out the kinks in my Amazon Prime account, and my wife and I did it all in a day and a half. We watched the first two or three episodes Saturday night, and then just sat around like bums all day Sunday and watched the rest of them. It is as good as you guys said it was. I have been pushed to watch the show from Brian from listeners, from other friends, to, to get on it and watch this show. I really need to watch it, and I see why. The first thing I'll warn anybody about before they get into this show, realize that what the MCU has done to us, while it has been great, it has really softened us up to what the real world would be like with superheroes. MCU is what the comic books would have you believe would be the real world, but The Boys shows you what it would actually be because I'm sorry if I was a superhero, being good and being nice doesn't pay the bills. So unless I'm going to find uh, a company that can back me or an organization that's going to find a way to make money for me while I'm superheroing, I'm going to be a supervillain. I'm going to be. Like, if I show up on a planet like Superman, the only reason that the, the worlds exist with the Justice League of America or the Avengers is because of two people, Batman and Iron Man. Because they get bankrolled. Everybody gets bankrolled, you know? Even look at Danny Rand and Luke Cage. The only reason they work is because they're the heroes for hire. They make money because of that. Not to mention Rand Industries and things like that. But that's why those things can exist. Captain America can Captain America. Hawkeye can Hawkeye. And, you know, these superheroes, Thor can Thor. Because Tony Stark keeps the lights on. Superman can continue being boy wonder and taking care of the world and come home and eat whatever he wants and sleep in a bed because guess what? Batman keeps the lights on, you know? And this, in the real world, five or six superheroes that just come out of the grassroots aren't going to be able to pay the bills and just be superheroes. They're going to have to be Walmart checkers on the side. So unless there's an organization, like in this one, Vought, that can take care of you, I'm being a supervillain. It, it pays the bills. I walk into a bank and take all the money. There you go. The one thing that I appreciate about this show, too, is that it shows the things that you don't really think about when you're reading normal comics. Like, when you're reading a Flash comic book and you're seeing him, like, run super fast at the speed of light, like, around the world, you're not seeing maybe the side effects or the ramifications of that speed. Like, they show him running around everyone and and whatnot but in reality he's probably going to run through some buildings or some people or 
a car other... pulls out into an intersection or, or, a, hoot or a, a, a cow wanders off of a field onto a road. Yeah, it's... Where this show is like, uh, no, we're going to show what that would actually look like. And, and then the aftermath of that and just some of the, the consequences that would maybe come about this as well. So my best stop this week cannot be the boys because Brian already recommended it as the best stop in an earlier week. So my best stop is you best get off my back. We can get off your back for now, but one season two rolls around. <laughs> I started the Umbrella Academy too. Oh, so that was awesome. another one that people were on me about. And we uh, watched a couple episodes last night. It seems very good. We're going to roll with that now. Yeah, so. it's a uh, little bit different than The Boys, a little bit different in general, but I did overall enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And I that's next on our list with my girlfriend and I. We're just finishing up Chuck. We have one more episode of the series and then we're done. And then next we're going to jump into Umbrella Academy, do those two seasons, and then The Boys. Nice. And my last best staff recommendation of the week is we talked about Ed Brubaker. We talked about some of his indie stuff that he has done and that he is doing. But what are some of his titles that you could maybe jump into if you just wanted to get a taste of Ed Brubaker? I decided to take this route because I haven't dug really deep into a lot of his indie stuff yet i've read some but not as much as i want to i have my big stack of books that i just haven't gotten to yet and most of his series are in that stack i was first introduced to him through secret avengers uh this was an avengers run that he started his run was 12 issues long and then it continued on from there for quite a few years until they finally canceled it off but his initial run was just so awesome it was like it was like if you mixed uh call of duty black ops with the avengers it was like it was like mission impossible meets avengers you know you got the super secret spy team with earth's mightiest heroes they're running the missions that the irregular avengers couldn't do you know there's a superpower being in Afghanistan, but because of war and whatnot, we can't get involved because we're the Americans, but we're going to send in our Black Ops Avengers team to do it. Uh, this The original roster consisted of Steve Rogers, Sharon Carter, Black Widow, War Machine, Ant-Man, Valkyrie, Moon Knight, Beast, Nova, and Shang-Chi, the Master of Kung Fu, and they were on the heels to take out the shadow council which was doing a lot of shifty shady things in different parts of the world uh the main tagline of this series was run the mission don't get seen save the world and that's exactly what it did uh the art by uh diodato was absolutely incredible and definitely complemented the writing that brubaker added to this it gave some spotlights to characters that aren't as well known like shang chi nova and moon knight valkyrie some of those characters that me going into it knew little to nothing about this was my introduction to scott lang ant-man and just his interaction with war machine and seeing his personality shine like really drew me to that character before the mcu movies came out this 
whole 12 issues is collected in one complete collection trade paperback, which you can still buy. I would suggest going there. If you want to continue with Secret Avengers, I would stop once you get through Nick Spencer's run. Uh, Rick Remender, which is kind of a big name in the indie world, did a long chunk of Secret Avengers, which I did not like at all. The concept was okay, but just the delivery was awful. The dialogue was just appalling at times. Characters not acting the way they should, saying things that you were like, nobody would say that. Like, you're just trying to be vulgar to be vulgar for vulgar's sake. It was not good. Um, so I would suggest not going that route, but definitely stick with those first 12 issues of Ed Brubaker's run. Um, and if you haven't, check out his Captain America run too. Like I mentioned, he's the one who kick-started the Winter Soldier, kind of created that character, took Bucky from the past, brought him back to life, brainwashed by the Soviets. And then, as we've seen in the MCU movies, he eventually remembers who he is, but then it really dives into that journey to redemption from him with Captain America's death to picking up the shield and becoming Captain America himself for a while. And then the world learning about his past as the Winter Soldier and paying for those uh, deeds that he did in his past to then redeeming himself afterwards throughout secret spy missions as the Winter Soldier himself. It's... A phenomenal run it's collected in five omnibus which are all mostly out of print but are slowly starting to come back in the print and there's a number of trade paperbacks that you can pick up just look for captain america and brubaker and any one of those is a surefire win and that this week is what we have for you for our best off recommendations Best off, brought you some classic TV, some new TV, and a slew of different comics, but it also brings us to the end of the episode. Guys, like we said before, we want to hear from you. Bring us your questions. Bring us your what you guys want to hear about. What do you want to see in the show? We want to talk about what you want to hear. Again, the easiest way to find everywhere to find us is MidwesternNerds.com. Yes, we have a website. We put some time and effort into it. Take a look at it. Again, you can find all of our streaming links. You can find all of our social links and other information, too. So pop on over there and take a look. And for your Midwestern nerds, I'm Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it nerdy. nerdy.